right, welcome to another episode of Cold Dominion, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Jazz, and once again, welcome back. Um, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening the past few weeks. Um, So far, we've discussed the Colonial Parkway murders, the Hargan family murders, and last week, we actually covered Alicia Showalter Reynolds, who I described to you all as being considered one of the first victims of the Route 29 stalker, which is actually going to be the case that we discussed today. So before we get started, just a refresher. So Alicia Showalter Reynolds, she disappears in March of 96 and is actually found murdered in May of 96. She was heading down from Baltimore to Charlottesville, Virginia to do a shopping trip with her mom. She didn't make it into the mall. Um, Her car was discovered about 45 miles outside of where she was supposed to be. And then her body was found two months later. Um, Her case is still unsolved. And I told you last week, the reason I separated her case from the rest of the Route 29 stalker victims or proposed victims is because of the fact that the sketch from her actual case has been believed by many people to look very similar to that of Rex Hewerman, who is the prime suspect in the Gilgo Beach murders in New York. So that was the main reason I wanted to separate her case from the rest of these. But we're going to go ahead and jump into two additional murders that are believed to be connected to the Route 29 stalker. And I'm also going to discuss who is believed to be the prime suspect for the Route 29 stalker. And I think that after this episode, if you truly believe that Alicia Reynolds is a victim of the Route 29 stalker, then you may believe after this episode that there's actually a different prime suspect for her murder. So we're going to go ahead and kick it off with a next set of victims who were not too far behind Alicia show Walter Reynolds. So Alicia is found in May of 1996. I believe she's actually found on May 7th, if I'm not mistaken. So flash forward after Alicia is found, we have an incident in a Shenandoah National Park campsite. So This incident happens with a couple by the name of Julianne, a.k.a. Julie Williams, and Laura, a.k.a. Lolly Winans. So there's, excuse me, they are ages 24 and 26. Julie's from Minnesota, and she's described as being a wilderness lover, a very athletic person. Um, She's been with her girlfriend, Lolly, for two years now. And Lolly is actually a wilderness guide and is from Michigan. Um, These two women have just gotten a house together in Vermont that they were going to be moving into the next month. They were also celebrating the fact that um, one of them had just received a job as a geologist in Vermont. So it was a lot going on and they decided they were going to take this camping trip to kind of celebrate all of their good news. So when they embark on their trip, it is on May 19th of 1996. Their plan is to go camping for a few days. They actually have their dog with them. Um, They have to return within at least two weeks because one of the women actually has a friend who's getting married and they both are planning on attending the wedding. So their family knows that they're going camping. So around May 31st and June 1st of 1996, their families begin reporting them missing. And after they're reported missing, the rangers for the National Park, they start taking a look at their logs um, and they realize that, okay, we have the last reports of them being seen by others on May 24th. Remember, they got there on May 19th. Their families are reporting them missing on May 31st and June 1st. So 
on June 1st, that same day that I think um, one of their families reports them on the 31st, the other family reports, excuse me, reports them on June 1st. So on June 1st of 1996, um, their dog's excuse me, their dog is actually seen wandering around the campsite and it leads the rangers to do some exploring and they unfortunately discover the bodies of the two women at their remote campsite. So Laura was found in the tent that they had been staying in and Julie was actually found in her sleeping bag, which is about 40 feet away from the tent. Both of the women's hands were bound, their mouths were gagged, um, their throats had actually been slit as well and they both were partially undressed but they had not been raped. And If me reading the details of this case sound a little bit familiar, if you listen to episode one of my podcast, then you know that for the Colonial Parkway murders, there was a very similar case to this. So that was the case of Rebecca Dowski and Kathy Thomas. So they were actually murdered in 1986, so 10 years before this incident with Julie and Laura. But they too were a lesbian couple who were found to be within the same set of circumstances. They both were murdered. They both were found where their bodies were in close proximity to one another, but a little bit spaced out. Um, They both are also in these, you know, areas of Virginia that are not too far away. Um, They can be connected by Route 64, which actually intersects with Route 29. So this had a lot of bells going off in my head, like... This was really, really eerily similar. So when I did my research, I realized that I was not the only one who thought this was similar. A lot of the investigators for both of these crimes have made the connection that the cases seem very, very closely related. And I even read a statement from an investigator that said that they believe that the murders of Rebecca Dowski and Kathy Thomas are more likely connected to Julie and Lolly's murders than they are connected to those others that are part of the colonial parkway murders and that honestly makes sense to me when you do some more research um go back and listen to that first episode and you'll see exactly what i mean if you need just a refresher but um nevertheless julie and lolly are found deceased um as i mentioned just like kathy and rebecca they were both found with partially undressed but both of both sets of uh victims were not raped so this takes place in the end of May of 96. Now remember, Alicia Reynolds disappears in March of 96 and then her body is found in May of 96. So we're just moving along the timeline. These events are super, super close to one another. So as we go on, there's another victim of, well, I should say suspected victim of the Route 29 stalker. So our next victim that we're actually going to discuss is going to be Anne Carolyn McDaniel. So Anne McDaniel was a 20-year-old woman. Um, She suffered from cerebral palsy. She was living in Orange, Virginia, which is near Charlottesville, Virginia, um, off of Route 29 is where she was. And she was actually living in a group home that was for mentally and physically disabled adults. Um, So she's in this group home on the night of September 18th of 1996, and she told her roommate so I actually found an article from the Virginia pilot um, excuse me Virginian pilot in 1996 and the article stated that she told her roommate she was meeting a mystery date or meeting a man um, to go on a date and the reports were she was either hitchhiking to get to that date or she was expecting that person the mystery person to be picking her up to take her to the date um, so in that article 
I read, they said that she leaves her home and when she leaves her home, that is the last time that Anne is seen from or heard from. So her remains are found four days later and her remains have been burned, by the way. Um, They're found four days later, 10 miles from where Alicia's body was found. Now, another connector to the Colonial Parkway murders that made me think um, that maybe Anne McDaniel was also connected to that was that remember in that case, there were incidents with, I believe it was actually Rebecca and Kathy who were found covered in fuel, um, but they realized it was actually diesel. It wasn't regular gasoline as if they had been attempt to be set on fire. So that was a connection that stood out to me as well. So Anne McDaniel is found four days after she disappears and where she's found is actually only 10 miles from where Alicia's body is found. So in that same article that I read that gave the details about Anne basically being out to meet a mystery date, they were also telling details about other cases. So they mentioned in the article that Anne McDaniel is the third woman within that area to be found dead within a four and a half month span. So the other victim who they mentioned was an older woman who was 74 years old by the name of Thelma Scroggins. Um, and she was found dead at her house in her yard the next morning um, after being on the phone with, I think it was a family member or a friend, and basically telling them that she heard a knock, she got off the phone, and then after that she was not seen from again. She was found deceased in her yard the next morning. So they detail about that case. I've never heard that case be connected to the Route 29 stalker. I just thought it was interesting that that article was recognizing a pattern even back then that something weird was happening. So... After the murder of Anne McDaniel, so remember, we start with Alicia Reynolds, who disappears in March of 96, and then we get down to September of 96, and Anne McDaniel is also found dead. So those are the main murders that have been described as being a part of the Route 29 stalkers that have not been solved. So over the course of time, a lot of other murders were connected to the Route 29 stalker, but those cases have since been solved and determined to be other people. But these cases are still unsolved, have a lot of similarities, and authorities believe that the chances of there being multiple active serial killers within this area is very slim. They believe that it actually most likely was probably one person, and if you ask many authorities around the Virginia area, they will probably tell you that they think that they know who the Route 29 stalker is, and they think that they have actually known for some time. So, We're going to start with how we figure out who is most likely the Route 29 stalker. So in 2002 in South Carolina in June, a young girl by the name of Kara Robinson is in her friend's yard watering plants. Um, As I mentioned, she's there in South Carolina. She's watering plants, hanging out with her friend and a man pulls up and tells her he's selling magazines he's letting her take a preview at them to see if she wants to buy any of them so remember this is 2002 that was not an odd thing to do magazines were super popular and there were lots of door-to-door salesmen who were going around selling subscriptions so this wasn't odd but her friend basically notices that after a couple minutes she looks over and Kara's gone out of her yard And she's very baffled because she doesn't know what's even happened. Everything has gone so quickly. So as 
Kara Robinson is in her friend's front yard, this man who is showing her magazines ends up pulling out a gun, holding it to her head and forcing her to go to his car and climb inside of a plastic bin. Okay. So he forces her into a bin and then takes him, excuse me, takes her back to his apartment where he begins to rape her throughout the night. He also ties her up and makes her watch footage from the news reporting her own kidnapping. And this happens for about 18 hours. After attacking her for all of this time, he then falls asleep. When he falls asleep, Kara Robinson, who's 15 years old, by the way, makes this brave leap of faith and decides she's going to escape from here. So she takes her chance. She escapes. On her way out, she makes sure to take notes of everything in the apartment, any type of identifiers to remind her or to make sure she knows where she is so she can tell someone. But she flees from his apartment and ends up running to two men in the parking lot, tells them what happened, and they get her to the sheriff's office immediately. So because of all of these amazing details that she was able to take, um, she was actually able to immediately tell cops who kidnapped her. And she said that she was able to get this by information on his fridge. I'm guessing he may have had a bill on his fridge. I do that all the time. And she probably saw the name and that's how she knew exactly how to tell the cops. This is who just had me. So when the cops figure out that Kara is safe and they get the name of who has her, they immediately go towards this man's house. And the man who's been identified is 38 year old Richard, AKA Mark. That's his middle name. And that's what he was going by Avonitz. So Mark Avonitz, Richard is his first name is a Navy vet. He's originally from the South Carolina area, but has been all over. Um, and has recently moved there with his 19 year old wife and they do research and they see that he seems to be a normal guy. He's won lots of medals within the Navy. He was honorably discharged. He just seems to be a quiet guy. So they're thinking to themselves, okay, obviously we need to figure out way, way, way more about this. This is insane right now. So they end up going to the apartment where Kara Robinson says that she was held and kidnapped and raped. And when they get there, they realize quickly that evidence, excuse me, Avonitz has fleed the scene. So after they do some digging um, and start investigating his place, they find evidence that this most likely is not his first attempted abduction or even crime that he's committed along these lines. So this man goes on the run and while he's on the run, cops are tearing his place apart and they find so many pieces of evidence that connect him to different cases. So one of the things that they find is actually on Kara's body. So Kara is still wearing handcuffs that he had tied her up in when she escapes. And when they test the fibers from her handcuffs they end up hitting a match to two other unsolved cases out of Virginia so both cases are actually out of Spotsylvania Virginia so what they do is that they look into these 
abductions and their murders and they realize that these other cases are very similar to that of Kara Robinson. So the hit that came off of the cuffs linked the detectives to the murders of 16 year old Sophia Silva in September of 1996. And then the murders of Kristen and Catherine Lisk. They were sisters who were 15 and 12 that actually disappeared on May 1st of 1997 and their bodies were found five days later in a river. So their minds are absolutely blown. This is absolutely insane. Um, these were unsolved cases. Remind, I'm just going to remind you at the time that Kara Robinson is abducted and escapes from Mark Avonitz, um, on its home this is 2002 okay this is years and years after the murders in Spotsylvania and so they immediately contact the Spotsylvania Police Department excuse me Spotsylvania Police Department and let them know that they have a hit um, on who may have been responsible for those unsolved murders so as that's happening they also are going through other evidence in his apartment and he had a little chest like a personal locker in his apartment and inside of that chest they found handwritten notes that led to the dump site of where Alicia Showalter Reynolds was actually found so that's one of the biggest reasons why authorities believe that Richard Mark Avonitz is actually the killer of Alicia Show Walter Reynolds. And because of the proximity of where Ann McDaniel was found, they believe that he also must be responsible for her death as well. So those are just inferences they're making based on this evidence that they're finding in his house. So as all of this is going on, remember, Mark Avonitz is on the run. He is going somewhere trying to flee obviously he feels like this is closing in on him he probably never expected that Kara was going to escape and especially if he committed other crimes prior to this like they're alleging he did then he definitely was shocked that she was able to make it away so while he's on the run um he actually ends up making a call to his sister so while he's on the phone with his sister he starts confessing to all of these crimes that he's done um and he tells her he wants her to meet him in jacksonville florida at an ihop and he's just spilling his heart out and he basically tells her he's committed so many crimes he doesn't even remember them all so his sister actually ends up turning him in, telling the cops where he's headed to, and the cops end up with a confrontation with him on June 27th of 2002 in Sarasota, Florida. So they have him surrounded, and as he's surrounded, they are basically trying their best to keep him calm and get him out of there alive. They know that there's a big chance that these are not the only crimes he's committed. They want to see more information from him. They need to keep this guy alive. So as they're surrounding him and trying to basically talk him in to turning himself over, unfortunately, Richard Mark Avonitz ends up turning the gun on himself and shooting himself and killing himself. And with that, he killed any chance we had of really confirming all of the crimes that he did that can't be connected by DNA evidence. So after his suicide, 
Other evidence comes out to confirm that, yes, he did in fact murder Sophia Silva, as well as murdered the sisters Kristen and Catherine Lisk, um, all from Spotsylvania, Virginia. So it had been five years since Catherine and Kristen had been murdered, but Kristen's fingerprint was actually found inside the trunk of his vehicle. It was still there after all that time. So with that DNA evidence, they were able to confer that he definitely committed those three murders. Um, I mentioned that he was in the Navy, but before he was in the Navy, he had actually had a legal run-in where he was arrested for masturbating in front of a woman and her three-year-old daughter. And he actually followed them around town the days after that. And that's when the mom reported him for stalking her. And he basically just said to the police, like, I have a problem with masturbating in front of women. And he got a slap on the wrist and he was able to join the service, go on and win medals. He was able to live this life that seemed like he was somewhat of a good man and went under the radar for many years. But all of this evidence that was found after the fact has led authorities to believe that he has to be the Route 29 stalker. So now that we have all of these cases laid out, let me just give you a timeline from Alicia Showalter Reynolds murder in 1996. So she disappears in March of 96. I would infer and from reminder, I'm just an amateur podcast host. Like I have no working knowledge of how any of this works, but my inference is that even though Alicia show Walter Reynolds was found in May of 90, 1996, I think she was most likely murdered in March shortly after she disappeared. So we have her being most likely murdered in March of 96. Then we have Julie Williams and Lolly Winans who are found murdered on June 1st of 96. But remember their last scene on May 24th, I would infer that that would have probably been the day that they were killed too. So we're going from March to May of 1996. And then we jump into September 18th of 1996, where we have Ann McDaniel disappearing and then being found four days later. So we then work in the September 1996 murder of Sophia Silva. So that would have actually been around the same time as Ann McDaniel in Orange, Virginia and um, Orange, Virginia and Spotsylvania are not too far apart from each other. I think it was like 45 minutes. So they're also close in proximity. And then we have the murders of Catherine and Kristen Lisk in May of 1997. And then the next thing that we really know about is the June 2002 incident with Kara Robinson. So that's a lot of time to go between cases. I doubt that he was not active during that time period if he actually is the Route 29 stalker. But there are so many other cases that are believed to be connected to him um, that aren't even in Virginia. As I mentioned, he was in the military. He lived in California. He lived in Texas. He lived in Florida. He lived in South Carolina. He lived in Georgia. He was all over. And like he told his sister, he had committed so many crimes, he didn't even remember all of them. So I think it's a good possibility that he is the most likely person to be the Route 29 stalker. Um, the fact that he had the handwritten note in his little footlocker in his home that was basically a direct 
wrecked map to where Alicia Reynolds' body was found and Anne McDaniel's body being found so close to that as well. I think it just lines up. And if all of that is lining up, it's made me think, and I'm just, you know, hypothesizing myself, but what if the Colonial Parkway murders and Route 29 killings are all from the same serial killer? With him traveling, his resourcefulness, the MO of, you know, getting people in pairings and the abductions and the stalking of it all. Like the authority said, it's very, very rare that especially during that time period, there would have been multiple serial, excuse me, serial killers active in such a close proximity. So it just makes me think that the cases actually are a lot more connected than people may believe. And it may end up being that, you know, some of the cases that are Parkway murders and some that are Route 29 murders may intersect. Um, Some of them may have been mixed or someone who was doing one could have seen the reports of the other and been a copycat. Well, you know, well, I hope that we know, but we may never know. And it's been so much time, but with the emergence of all this DNA technology, I honestly think that both of these um, serial killings can definitely be solved within my lifetime. So um, just to recap, we discussed today the Route 29 stalker. Um, if you have not already listened to the case um, of the Colonial Parkway murders, that's episode one. You should definitely listen to that. It's a great refresher, and it's also a good way to see so many similarities between these cases. Also, listening to last week's episode on Alicia Reynolds is a great refresher and a good tie-in to all of the evidence with this case. But let me know what you think. Do you think that it's possible that Alicia Reynolds was not a victim of the Route 29 stalker? Could she have been a victim of the alleged uh, Gilgo Beach murderer Rex Huberman? Are these cases all connected? Was this a network of serial killers? I don't know. There's just so much that you can spin off with this. I definitely think we'll be having a follow-up episode sometime soon. Um, But until then, please remember to stay warm because it's colder than you think out there. Thank you.